This is Pastor Flosser, and you're getting ready to listen to the preached Word of God taken directly from one of our services at Faith and Truth Assembly in Thomasville, Pennsylvania. We hope it is a blessing to you, and if you could take some time and just go over to the Contact Us tab on this website and send us a little message. Let us know if there's any questions we can answer, any prayer requests we can bring before the Lord on your behalf. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you and enjoy the word. Matthew 5:21 says, "Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment." Don't be so quick to point the finger. Go ahead and read verse 22. But I say unto you, Jesus tells us, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. God bless you. You can be seated. I know we've been over this so much that maybe some of you feel like this is just going to be another repeat and a rehash, but but not not at all. I want to look at this in a fresh way that I feel like it is so, so important to us that without what we're going to discuss, preach to you rather today, that we're going to have a real hard time dealing with people around us. Again, though, let's look at this. Uh, God points at you and at me. He, he's not interested in our ability to look at someone as a transgressor and say, there's the sinner right there. But when we look here in these few verses that we've been studying Wednesday nights, we recognize that the finger is pointed to each one of us, that not one of us can say we're not the one that is in danger of judgment. We're not the one. And you might have never pointed a finger at somebody and said, you fool, because you feel like that that would be a direct violation to this scripture. But I'm telling you, that's not the heart of what Jesus is saying here. He's looking at the intentions of who we are and saying, how do you see your neighbor? How do you communicate? It's not just one word there. And certainly, Reka, we talked about that meaning worthless. And two weeks ago, Sunday morning, we talked about anger. Talked about what it means to be angry with a cause. But I hope that we can look at this and see that in order for me to get through this life and not... Come on, let's be honest. We're not here to put on a show. We're not here to, to, to build up ourselves like we're something we're not. We go through this world and... We walk through the stores of this world and see the people of this world and, and, and people we work with and, and, and we deal with these things. We deal with seeing folks that, that uh, whatever situation they're in, it's easy to, to, to look at them and, and be angry and not really know all the circumstances. Shared with you, I don't want to take too much time, but I've shared with you the man tired at the end of the day and, and, and riding the bus home and the children that were, were getting into everything and getting around and, and misbehaving and, and a parent, a, a father who's just totally oblivious to his children that are just not 
just getting into everything and causing trouble. And finally, he, he looks at the man and says, don't you see what they're doing? And the man says, I'm so sorry. My, my wife has been in the hospital for so long and she's passed away. And, and the children just have been locked up in that little room for so long. And I just don't. My, my head's not where it, it should be. And, 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 and his anger was there, but really it changed when he knew more about it. I told you about my own situation. I'm not real proud of it, but I, I, was, I just had talked to my wife several times that, that month about just driving through the parking lot and in different stores, especially Walmart, it seems, that, that folks just uh, must get grumpy in the morning and say, let's go to Walmart. I don't know. And, and I, I just kind of kind of maybe a little lighthearted, but be very frustrated. People just walking in front of your car, pulling out in front of you. And, uh, and I, I, there was a woman that, that was kind of walking, getting ready to cross in front of me. And I said, go ahead and go. And, and she just, just slow as it seemed like she could be. Uh, and, and in my mind, I've seen people just look right at me and just take their good old time as they walked past in front of me and make me wait. And, and, and I, this, this woman just was so slow. And, and, and I did. I pulled up. Uh, and, I, and I rolled my window down. I said, I told you you could go, but I didn't think it'd take so long. She said, I'm so sorry. I, 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 my daughter's in the intensive care unit, and, and, and my head's just not on straight. I wasn't even thinking about how long you'd have to wait. Preacher of the year? No, not this year. Amen. And I said, and I, I said I'm so sorry. I said, I'll, I'll pray for you. And she, she had tears in her eyes. You know, that's... That, that's my, my confession. Amen. But these are things that, that we all have to look at ourselves and say, hey, you need help. You need to do better. You look at people and you don't know the whole situation. You don't know the whole story. You, don't, you, you look at them and you think, think, see them and you say they're worthless, they're foolish, they're nothing. And, and, and then, then that's your attitude and that's your words and that's your, your actions. And Jesus said, I'm telling you that you, praise God, Pastor Flosser, are in danger of judgment without a Savior. Amen. You are in danger of, of hellfire, not because you can look at somebody else and say, hey, look at what they did. But, but this puts us all under the guilt in one way or another. And we looked at this and we know that the positive of it is, Lord, help me to, to love, help me to forgive, help me to serve, help me to give of myself. Can anybody say amen? amen. I know we've, we've taught this and we've preached this. Turn with me to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians 5. With an understanding that in our hearts there needs to be a right kind of value placed on our neighbor that shows itself in our words, shows itself in our actions, shows itself in... In how we treat our neighbor. Amen. Praise God. And Ephesians 5, though, deals with something that I don't know that I've really ever heard too many people talk about. But I feel like this is so, so crucial. So, so fundamental in, in, in really being who God called us to be. Ephesians 5. Before it ever talks about, I believe, that uh, how we ought to be toward one another. Before it talks about how we ought to be in our homes. Husbands, 
wives. Praise God. It tells us in in verse 19, speaking to yourselves. Speaking to yourselves. Praise God. I don't feel like you're going to be able to say the right words the right way from the right heart to your neighbor until we look at a conversation you're having with yourself. I can listen to you and hear what you say to your family at times, what you say to me, what you say to your neighbor. But what an interesting And I believe how telling it would be if we could listen to what they call your internal dialogue. The kind of conversation that you have talking to yourself. I understand that, you know, there is almost a, a, uh, it's almost a joke. It's almost something that we can uh, beat ourselves up over or Maybe make fun of somebody. Did you see them just over there? What, what did you say? I didn't hear you. I was just talking to myself. What's wrong with you? I don't know what it's like when you're just by yourself. And I think sometimes there's a lot of people that really that's the worst time. That it's so important that we distract ourselves from the horror, from the, the negativity of an internal dialogue. And that's why I believe there's so many of those people out there that we look at and say, why are they so grumpy? Why are they so angry? Why are they so mean? I think before they really can be reasonable and right with people around them, with their neighbor, I wonder how much is going on inside. We talk about our thoughts. We talk about the devil, imaginations that attack us and deal with us. But this is something as a child of God, I believe that we have a uh, we have a power over that we don't exercise as much as we should. See, in Ephesians 5, it's kind of like in some places Paul says to set your affections. In other places it says think on these things. This isn't something that he's not saying when this happens to you or how it happens to you. He's saying you guide and control what's going on inside your feelings amen your thoughts i can't control what comes into my mind but i can cast it down i can fight it i can focus on it amen i can take my my uh my uh thoughts and and my emotions even and and direct them in the way that they should go and god will help us with that Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There would be a a focus that what's going on in your mind, don't just... Let it go. I am convinced, not just by what my I've prayed and what I've studied and, and, and what I've discussed with people, but everything that I've ever seen in this world, that there is an incredible battle that's going on in that kind of 
self-image that you hear them talk about in this day today that really we need to see what the Bible says about that. We need to understand because the world, we are fighting against pride. We are fighting against uh, uh, an inordinate love of self-importance, flesh, that says me first, that, that is everything that has taken us away from God's will and, and destroying us. And, and, and when we feel ourselves so super important and we, we, we miss God's will and, and we fight against that, we preach against that self-love that, that would cause us to put ourselves above our neighbor, put ourselves above God and not seek God's will, that man could not say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But God's never, never called us to a equal but opposite error that we can look at ourselves and say, I'm just trash. I'm not worth anything. I'm miserable. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. I'm this. And just continually beat ourselves up. That's not right. That's not healthy. That's not Christian. If, if God would tell you, don't you, you're in danger of hell looking at your neighbor and treating him or calling him a fool or worthless, getting angry without a cause, not looking at all the exterior things that are going on to cause that problem that irritates you. Why wouldn't God want you to look at yourself and give you the same grace, give yourself the same mercy, give yourself the same understanding? Hello, anybody. Speaking to yourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Where God would desire us to build one another up. I feel like so often, and we're going to see this in the Word of God. So often the people that, that have such an influence and such an ability to strengthen and encourage and help those that are weak and pick up those that have fallen... Praise God. They are incapacitated because of all the things in their mind they're telling themselves. I can't. I'm stupid. I'm going to fail. It'll never work. What if this? What if that? And it's an internal dialogue. It's not a speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's not a thanksgiving. It's not a positivity. And sometimes that's exactly what's going on in the lives of those that that, that are, are, are the most harsh and the most judgmental. Praise God. I I believe that's really in the heart of every Pharisee. And we're going to get to that in a bit. Turn with me, though. Matthew. Matthew 22. Treating others right is going to have to start with a healed, healthy heart not healed and healthy. I know what I am without God. I know what I can accomplish without God. Nothing. Failure. I know what kind of mess I am. But you know what? When you're loved by God, forgiven, cleansed, amen. You're not doing God any favors. Praise God. Constantly dwelling on how miserable you are, how awful you are. I'm telling you right now, if you'd listen to God, He'd be telling this to you all day, what I'm trying to tell you right now. That's not glorifying to God to constantly just... Humility isn't 
beating yourself up. Being godly isn't constantly telling yourself you can't and, and reminding yourself of how worthless you are and how wrong you've been. Amen. Hey, we're not, we don't believe in pride. We don't believe in inordinate self-love or, or self-importance. Praise God. But we're talking, I'm going to show you here. Let me just read this to you. Matthew 22, verse 35 says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, this is Jesus answering the lawyer, the one who was a, a, uh, a, a expert in the law, the Old Testament. Jesus said unto him, That thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Now, loving God with all your heart. Amen? That's pretty easy to understand. Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That doesn't leave anything else there. But that does not push out this next commandment. In fact, the Lord could not continue on and just put a period at the end of the sentence and say, that's it, I answered your question, what do you have for me now? The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is an assumption here that in a healthy, realistic understanding of who we are, that, that there is a, there's a natural tendency to take care of yourself. Don't put yourself above your neighbor, but take care of them. Do unto them as you would like. You know how you like to be treated. But in this day, we've got such a, such a twisted, perverse generation where minds have, can I say it again? I believe I said it here a week or so ago, where lives have been, been brought up, children have been brought up just in negativity and abuse and neglect and, and, and have, have developed in themselves such a, it was said earlier tonight, such a depression that, that self, Self-hatred, self-loathing, even self-mutilation is not something that is uncommon in this world today. Don't tell me that it's just a style and it's a fad. To, the, 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 the piercings, the, the cuttings and the scarification and the, the markings that I'm telling you people loathe themselves. God says treat others, and he says here's, here's how you ought to treat others. You ought to love them just like you love themselves. This is assuming that we've got, we're, we've got some understanding of, of what is natural. But we are pushed in this generation away from natural. Praise God. Ephesians, back to Ephesians 5, when it goes down and talks about the home, when it talks about men, uh, marriage and 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 how a husband ought to love his wife. We talked about this Wednesday night after we got done talking about divorce and remarriage. Ephesians 5 verse 28 says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet hateth his own flesh. This is, according to our Creator, according to God, the natural, normal scheme of life. You take care of yourself. Now we see in our land the perversion of that. We see such a, an extreme self-loathing and, 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 and people 
aren't taking care of themselves. That's unnatural. I, I feel like for folks to, 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 to go to the extent that we see, it's, it's, it's more than just, just fallen, hurt people. It takes the devil to get that far into where you, you hate yourself and loathe yourself so much that you would harm yourself. It takes spiritual darkness for that. No man's ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth even as the Lord the church. You see what the Lord is saying. There's a natural tendency to take care of yourself, to protect yourself. But listen, if you start listening in to the conversation of what you're saying to yourself, what you're talking to yourself, are you taking care of yourself? If I heard you talk to your spouse, your family, your neighbor... I heard you talk to them the way you talk to yourself. Would I say, hey, that's not right. Stop that. That's mean. That's not Christian. Why is it sometimes we defend people and don't look at how we talk to ourselves and deal with ourselves? Why is it easy for us to see how... We oughtn't treat people like they're fools. We oughtn't treat people like they're worthless. We oughtn't be angry at them without a cause. And sometimes we look at ourselves and, and yeah, we've failed. We've made mistakes. But praise God, we know how to say, you know what? You get back up again. You make it right. You let that in the past. You forget the things that are behind and keep pressing toward the mark. And you help people get saved. But when it comes to yourself and your prayer life and your walk with God, you don't allow yourself that same grace. Can I tell you, we need to be speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We need to... We need to allow ourselves. I know there's been so many people that have justified sin and wrong. And we want to be right. And we want to be holy. We don't want to be like that. That doesn't mean that you don't accept God's grace and God's mercy into your life. If you're wrong, get to the altar. Make it right. If you're not living the way you need to be living, there's a way to get right. And a way to get Get, get strong and to get, get uh, forgiveness, praise God. But when you have yourself convinced that you're not worth God's grace, when you have yourself convinced that somehow I'm worth less than my neighbor, listen, if you would look at anybody else in this world and say they're not worth the blood of Jesus, I'd tell you you're wrong. It would anger me, and it might anger you to hear somebody say the same thing. What we need to do is recognize, praise the Lord, that there is a, a need in our lives that before we can ever really treat our neighbor the way we need to treat them, we've got to get a revelation that we are saved by His grace. That yeah, in myself I can do nothing, but in Him, praise God, I'm going to tell you the Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. I can be an overcomer in Him. Amen. Well, praise God. There's too much of not allowing ourselves to say, you know what, that's wrong, that's off limits. I've told folks, I've, I've counseled and, and, and dealt with relationships and marriage especially and said, you know, there's just some things off limits. not funny. It's not a joke. Don't say that. Build them up. Build up the confidence, the security in that home. Don't say things that are, that are lighthearted, that are pulling down just a, just a knowledge and understanding. Hey, there's love here. There's, there's safety here. There's, there's security here. Guard that. 
How can you not do the same in your own mind and in your own heart? The devil tells you you're garbage. The devil tells you you're not worth the blood of Jesus. The devil constantly reminds you of your past and of your failures and of your weakness. Praise God. Don't have a conversation with the devil. Take the advice of Jesus when the Lord said, just, 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 uh, uh, you got, he, he wouldn't suffer him to, to speak. Amen. I've always, maybe this has just been a little, uh, maybe strict or radical, but I, I don't know where I've ever picked it up. I certainly wasn't raised this way, but just kind of came to it. Hallelujah. Maybe with my, my wife's help, but early on we just decided that we weren't going to tell one another, tell our children, tell anybody to use the word shut up. But I've always said, tell the devil to shut up. I'm not worried about manners when I'm dealing with my worst enemy. Amen. There's times you need to just say, hey, the devil's been talking all day. You should have told him before you rolled out of bed. Just shut up, devil. You're a liar. And what do you believe? What do you really hold your, what, what is really in your heart? That's what we got to get down to. Where, where are the, 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 this, this dialogue, this conversation you're having with yourself? What do you really believe? What's God think about you? That's why you need to hear the Word. That's why you need to be in the Bible. That's why this needs to be alive to you. Because what God thinks is what's true. Let every man be a liar. Let God be true. So if you are contradicting what God thinks about you, one of you is a liar. Amen. If you're saying one thing, but God says, has God loved you? Does God forgive you? Has God said you're worth His blood? Well, then that ought to be what you're singing about. That ought to be what you're thinking about. Amen. Well, praise God. You're not go- I know it's not getting too exciting in here, but you hear what I'm saying now. That God is, is there hearing what your heart is all about. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God is not for you beating yourself up all the time. We can take that lightly and we maybe, I don't want to say all of us, but I think probably a lot of us can, can have that tendency. I knew better. I shouldn't have done this and that. Hey, there's just a time you just let it in God's hands. What's God think about it? Well, I've been to the altar. Well, I've, I've laid it down and I've given, God's given me mercy. Do you feel like God gives people mercy? Well, what about you? Does God think you're worthless? Does God treat you like you're worthless? Amen. I've had conversations already with more than just one or two. Well, you know, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. Well, hey, does God, God doesn't treat you that way. Is God wrong? Do you know more about it than God? If God doesn't treat you like that, don't you treat you that way. And don't you treat anybody else that way. Amen. What do you believe about God's justifying? What do you think about God's mercy? How does God work in all that? If He can do that, praise God, you need to let God be God for you. Too many people going through the motions on the outside, but questioning God's... Hey, I'm just going to tell you, God is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Well, praise God. People have let you down. Sure they have. People have done you wrong. People have, have, have misjudged you on situations. And they, that's just, that's people. They don't know it all. They can't know it all. But it's, this is about you and God. Before you'll ever really be able, I mean, let's think about this. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Praise God. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. 
love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, so is, it, is it even possible? If you don't really get the understanding that, hey, I have peace in my heart. I have God's grace and God's love. I don't deserve it. There's nobody here, there's nobody in this county, state, or this world that deserves God's mercy any less than I do or any more than I do. We're not looking around and saying, well, God forgave me this much and you this much. That is such an attack of the enemy. You don't see that in the Bible. We come to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And, and if, if, I can, if I can see that it says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, is it even possible for me to give grace the way God wants me to give grace, give mercy the way God wants me to give mercy, to not go through this world and judge people for being worth my kindness because they're reka or they're, they're a fool or they're, they're just... Is it possible? Is it possible to really show people that they're worth the blood that was shed on the cross if I have a problem feeling like I'm worth that? But the bottom line is, I'm not, and neither are you. It's grace. It's God's mercy. It's, if, if we were worth it, it wouldn't be grace. It wouldn't be mercy. Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke 16. I'm going to ask you to listen a little bit closer to what's going on. What kind of what kind of just crazy conversations go on in your mind? It's time to steer that back to the cross. It's time to take that back to the Lord and replace it with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Get something. It, it is... There, there are songs that are about God's mercy that are very moving. But I, sometimes I, I get worried about some of the, the music that is just, it gets super honest about, about failure and problems and hurt and tears. And, and the book of Psalms is full of that. But then you'll see it turn to, then I came to the sanctuary, and then I turned to the house of the Lord, and then I remembered. And you'll hear it turn back to something that is encouraging. Amen. It's not just identifying with darkness and pain. There, there is a, there's always a hope. There's always a strength given in Psalms. And that's what we need in this life. Luke 16, here's that Pharisee we were talking about. Now remember, I think it's important now that you understand what we've been talking about Wednesday nights. Up until the cross, the people of God, the best they had, I guess, was trying to... I mean, there were people, don't get me wrong, there were people that did walk in faith and they weren't Pharisees. But the majority of people calling themselves the people of God, they did their best to keep the law. And what happens when you try to keep the law without Jesus? condemnation. Amen? Trying to do right without the Holy Ghost is exactly what's going on in Romans 7. Everything I try to do right, I do wrong. Every time I make up my mind to do right, I mess it up. What miserable, wretched man that I am. Who can save me? I need a Savior, right? 
So the Pharisees are living this life of condemnation. I know what's right. So instead of saying, God, how miserable, wretched man that I am, I need a Savior, they become Pharisees. And look what happens. Verse 14, Luke 16, 14. The Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. Praise God. They had sin in their hearts. They heard what Jesus was saying and they derided him. They, 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 they fought against Jesus. Here's love personified. Here is mercy walking in, in sandals and they are coming against him, mocking him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. See, when you don't recognize justification, being just, being right, being right with God, comes from God and His mercy and His love. Amen? It doesn't come because you earn that. It doesn't come because you're worth that. And more you try to prove that you're worth it and prove that you've earned it, there's going to be condemnation inside. That Those Pharisees knew they weren't righteous. They knew they weren't holy. They were nasty, full of dead man's bones, uh, um, as the illustration goes in Matthew 23. They were white on the outside, clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. And rather than say, I am covetous, I need to repent, I need help, Jesus, do you have the answer? They mocked Jesus and derided him. They, they tore him down because we're trying to prove something. We, we're not going to be kind. We're not going to be pleasant to people. We're not going to be forgiving to people because inside there was condemnation. And Jesus said, God knows your hearts. Look what it says. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Rather, rather than get justification through God's mercy, they were seeking to justify themselves, seeking to, to, to prove a point and be right. In their minds, they're constantly trying to formulate a way to be clean, to be guilt-free. But they all along needed God's mercy. Are you hearing me? Do you get that? They didn't have God's mercy. They could not clear themselves. They're guilty against God before God. So rather than say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, it affects how they treat other people. Look at here. It is again in Luke, the 18th chapter. Turn, turn with me to the 18th chapter. It's impossible to be kind to others and be self-righteous because you're dealing with your own condemnation. I wonder how many people that on the exterior they 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 are like the Pharisees. They seem so righteous and 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 they're constantly trying to prove it by pointing out everyone else's faults. See, if I spend the time getting the conversation on what other people are doing, come on, it's just simple. It's it's almost so simple a child can see it. That makes sure that the conversation never gets around to focusing on my problems. That's just always the tactic. Let's point there because it keeps it a little light off of me. But what's going on inside? When you take that person to open up and say, what are you talking about in there? What do you, how do you see yourself? How do you, how do you, uh, how, how do you deal with this? How, how, do you, how do you see God's mercy in your life? Look what it says here. Luke 18, verse 11. 
the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Not only is it so horrible that he's pointing out all the people in his list of people he's better than, he goes ahead and says that the guy kneeling next to him is pretty pathetic as well. I'm not like this guy here either. So not only do I just sound like such a horrible person pointing the finger at everybody else, but I don't care who it hurts. But you know this man is full of condemnation inside because he's, he's not got God's mercy, God's justification. He's justifying himself. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his, upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here's somebody who was a sinner and knew they were a sinner and admitted they were a sinner. And it didn't matter even that this guy was being a jerk next to him. I know I deserve it. God, just I need mercy. That's it. I don't need to prove anything to a Pharisee. I don't need to prove anything to myself. I'm looking for justification from you. And I'm not wasting my time trying to tell everybody how just I am, how right I am. That's not what's going on inside of me. I know what I need and I need God. When all you're trying to do is fight with yourself and beat yourself up and try to tell yourself this and that to to make yourself just be able to survive the internal dialogue. It just ends up being self-justification. It ends up being trying to prove I'm okay and they're not okay. and it's, it's It's a conversation that doesn't need to happen. I don't know how many times I've said it and so many more that I just didn't talking to people and realizing they're trying to prove a point that doesn't need to be proven. Trying to say something and that justify themselves that has nothing to do with how what I think about them or what God thinks about them. Trying to be better than the people that have done them wrong. It's not a contest. Just be right with God and treat people right. Amen. God's going to sort it all out. Amen. God said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. But he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. That internal dialogue not only needs to Include God's mercy, God's grace, God's love. I remember years ago, I think about this, every now and then, Brother Narlock. Anybody remember Brother Sylvester Narlock and his family? Before I was even a pastor, he had come here and preached. And I remember, you know, it, it's it's very simple. You get a response, and, and, and rightly so. If, if we just stopped right now and said, Let's all stand, lift our hands, and and tell God you love Him. I would be able to hear that adoration. I'd be able to hear that people saying, I love you, Jesus. And and that's good, and that's right. I remember Brother Narlock standing up one time and and saying, let's all just stand up and say, God, you love me. You know how that sounded? (laughs) You know how that felt? It was different 
than if he would have said, just everybody say, I love you, God. It was kind of fun. Oh, what, God, you love me? Um, I guess I know that, but saying it out loud and it's not. I mean, what an awesome idea that God loves us. And he does. Are you hearing me? But, but it, it, it was a challenge that sadly shouldn't be so challenging. Amen. Hallelujah. We understand that God loves the unlovable. We understand that God loves the sinner. But sometimes we, because of what we're fighting on the inside, it's just really hard to say, Oh, God, thank you. You love me. Amen? You know I'm telling you the truth. But it's impossible for us to really, if we can just really get excited about being loved in spite of us. Amen. I tell you, we, we could... We could help other people be saved so much better. I mean, look at that Pharisee. How, how effective do you think he is as a soul winner? <laughs> Ooh, hey, brother, you want to come back and have prayer meeting with me again sometime? Hello? Hello? Come on. I mean, are you kidding me? I heard what you said about me. I heard your prayer. I hope you feel good about yourself. You're not as rotten as me. How can people really feel like they're loved accepted, forgiven. If we can't even do that for our own selves, we're not doing a very good job with other people. But also, in closing, we're going to turn to 1 Samuel. This internal dialogue, this speaking to ourselves, it's got to be based on, on not what we feel today, but what we believe, what we know God has said in His Word. That's why it's important to, like I said earlier, let the Word of God be alive to you as you read the Bible, as you hear the preaching. Let God take out all that, that self-condemnation, that beating yourself up, that, that unmerciful attitude that you have for yourself. And let God, let God tell you what He really thinks about you. 1 Samuel 30. Can I tell you, it says here in verse 6, David was greatly distressed. And the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. David was really on the run from Saul at this time. He, was, he had a, an army of men gather around him. His leadership abilities. It was, it was men that... that in the past had been losers and failures. But as they sought God together, God built them into mighty men of valor and uh, bravery. Became David's, when, when David's time came to reign, to reign these men were, were mighty men in his army. But as they were on the run, they, they were hiding out in in the Philistines' land, in a place called Ziklag. And when they were out in a battle, some came and burned that city down and took their wives and took their children. Somewhere, somehow, something had gone wrong. And David was the leader, and as one president said, the buck stops here. It was his responsibility. And people looked at David and said, hey, you've been an awesome leader, but this is a problem here. And our wives and our children are now captives. And uh, 
And they spake of stoning David, the Bible says. David's distressed, his wives, his children, they're gone. His, his people are against him, and it's a bad time. And more than likely, we could look at this and say, David, you should have never been in Ziklag anyway, really. I would say, from my view of looking with my, you know, uh, the, the ability, the privilege of being able to look on the whole situation, I could say, David, I don't think you ever belonged in that town, in that area. That, that probably was never God's best will for you at that time. And I'm certainly thinking David probably was thinking that about them. Maybe I shouldn't have been here. Maybe there's a problem. Maybe God's trying to get my attention. I don't know. And and they're blaming David. I'm sure David's blaming himself. But the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in in the Lord his God. There had to be a time in the middle of this stressful situation that David starts to take the internal dialogue and say, I'm not going to beat myself up of why I ever came here or why I went out to battle the way I did, why I didn't leave maybe some guards or what I could have done. I'm going to have to do something now. Amen. And he didn't sit around and say, hey, Joab, why aren't you calling me up and saying something nice to me? Hey, Abishai, why aren't you saying, come on, we can do it, man. We're going to be all right. No, those that had always been his support system were now saying, you know, I think David ought to be stoned. I think we ought to kill him. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. David was able to say, you know what? My motivation is going to have to come from within. I walk with God and God, I don't know what I've done or what my past is, but God, here I am now and I'm willing to fight and get back what was stolen from me. Amen. There's days where we are under attack. We are under the stress. And I'm telling you, rather than feed all that negativity, we need to get some faith in us. Rather than feed into all of the things of what if and what could have I done, we need to say, what's it going to take to get things where they need to be? Amen. That's encouraged himself in the Lord. Have you ever tried it? Have you ever tried to take a bad situation and say, hey, sit down with yourself like you would sit down with a depressed friend, a discouraged family member? Someone who's feeling like giving up. Someone who's feeling like, what's the use? And you'd say, come on, here's, let me give you a list of reasons why we can make it. We're going to do it. Amen. Let me give you a list of reasons why you can't give up. Sometimes we need to give ourselves that talk. Sometimes we need to be speaking to ourselves with that kind of internal dialogue. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? Sister Katie, if you could come join me on the platform, please. God's mercy is amazing. And I'm so fearful that a lot of folks just don't really get the full benefit of of the cleansing of our minds, of our conscience. That God offers us. And what happens when we're trying to 
prove ourselves right rather than just know and believe because of Jesus. I'm not what I used to be. It's not, it's not who I am today. I'm not trying to prove what I did was good or bad, better or worse than someone else. Forgiven, justified because of Jesus. Not looking at my neighbor, not looking at my brother or sister, trying to point out how they're just as bad or worse. Because that internal dialogue, that conversation, the joy, the song of my heart is God's mercy has forgiven me. Pharisee couldn't sing that song. The law keeper can't have that grateful heart constantly in self-condemnation, fears when you know right well you just beating yourself up over and over again. Where's the joy that comes from Jesus? Where's the joy that comes from the victory, the liberty? So often we, we know what's right, but we don't just take care of ourselves. We don't take it take it home into just day by day thinking and allow ourselves to beat ourselves to a pulp. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. Hallelujah. That's why preaching, that's why the Bible is so important. You've got to hear what God says and get that in your heart and replace all that condemnation and replace all that, that fear replace all that anger with what God says. Have a clean heart. A right spirit. It's, it's going to be a battle. It's, it's something that we are all going to have to fight and overcome. Overcome with, with God's word. With God's promise. What does God say? It is written. Tell the devil. Tell yourself. You're God's child. You're loved. You're forgiven. Not by any good that you've done. You don't get any extra points because you didn't do this or somebody else did worse than you. That, that's, that's not a conversation worth having. God's not thinking that. God's not saying that. God's not trying to judge you on a curve of how good other people have done or not done. God doesn't love you compared to how He loves other people. Just thank God for what He's done for you and help people be saved. Can we all stand? Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His mercy. There's a, there's a need in this church. What we preach to you, what we taught to you about how we see one another, how we see our neighbor. 
we got to look at ourselves with God's grace. Believe God's mercy. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Oh, help. Help my brothers and sisters. about the blessed man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. What's God say? That's what I'm thinking about. What's God say? That's what that's what's going on. You gotta you gotta fight that conflict with the word, with what you believe, your faith. Your faith in what God has said. I'm going to trust God more than I trust what this world thinks of me. I'm going to trust God more than what I think about my own self. Oh, yes, take this seriously. Sometimes we feel like, well, it's just something I do, like a quirk of mine. But it's got to be based on a faith in God's Word and what God has said. And it's going to translate into how you see others. It's going to translate in what they feel in you. That that safety, that security that comes from Jesus. They're going to to sense that in you. They're going to sense that you've got something they need. You're not like this world, measuring yourself up, 
using people to feel better about yourself. No. They're going to see that you care, that you want to serve, minister, help them to be better, help them to, to be saved. It matters. It, it, it really matters. God, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for your love and mercy to us. Thank you for, Lord, this time that we can be here together in your presence. God, I'm asking you to help my brothers and sisters. Lord, work in us, I pray. Just a strong, solid foundation based on what you have done for us, God. Bless your people, Lord. Bless, Lord, the service tonight as you tarry. Lord, we just give you the praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you, church. Pray for the service tonight.